Hey everybody, I'm Betty King. You know me from Telegram and from the um, website, from YouTube, in all my comments. And here I am, going to give you a testimony today. I live in Texas, but before I lived in Texas, before y'all brought me here, in 1997, I lived in South Carolina. And that year, my son, Taylor, who's 28 this, this year, was very sick. He had these terrible allergies. And we started going to doctors in South Carolina, in Columbia. And um, all the doctors there said he was too sick. He had these sores on his body, 12 sites of sores that were six inches across. And he was this little guy. So the six inch sores went all the way around his legs and his ankles and his elbows and on his belly and just everywhere with these oozing sores. And um, the doctors in South Carolina sent us down to Charleston to um, see doctors, a doctor there. And the doctor told me to go home, get rid of all my furniture, everything that had um, upholstery on it. If you couldn't put it in the washing machine, he said, and it had stuffing in it, it had to leave. And thankfully, I had a client at that time that did come and pick up every bit of furniture that was um, in my home that had uh, stuffing in it. So that all our beds and all our couches and, and I cleaned and um, the doctor also told us to stay at home. We were in isolation. Y'all know what that means until further notice. And that further notice took a lot longer than I had hoped. But <clears throat> eventually, um, we did get to leave with him. But one of the things that happened, this was when the beginning of the internet and so I was um, home all the time, couldn't work and leave my son. So I was there with him and I had the internet, net zero, $10 a month. And um, I had been adopted uh, as a baby. I went home from the hospital with my adopted parents. And all my life I had wondered, because I didn't look like those people. Um, I love my mom and dad, but I certainly didn't look like them. And I wondered who I really was, right? So I met a woman online named Linda Davenport. And Linda wanted to be a private detective. And she lived in the place where I was born, Mobile, Alabama. So December of 1997, the 23rd, smack in the middle of Hanukkah, she gave me a phone number for my step grandmother. It was my grandfather's second wife. He had divorced uh, my grandmother. She lived in Seguin, Texas. Well, so I called Miriam and we talked for two hours and she knew exactly who I was because I sound just like my mom. I look just like my mom. And she was just thrilled because my mom had passed away two years prior to this. And like I said, we talked and then we were ready to hang up. And before we hung up, she said to me, you know, you're Jewish, right? And I was like, what? And when we hung up, it was, and the other thing that y'all did, 
she lived next door to my Jewish grandparents. So she told me wonderful stories. We talked another hour. And then when we did finally hang it up, I was like, the yud, what does this mean? And it was the first time I heard the still small voice. And it said, go get the book. And I did. And that day I read about Yah and Sabbath and how he rested on the seventh day. And he declared that day forever to be a set apart day. And um, we began immediately to keep the Sabbath. And what a blessing the Sabbath was. And so a few years, rocked, a couple of years rocked along. And one Sabbath, the still small voice told me to go to Tybee Island. And Taylor was seeing six doctors by that time. And they were arguing among themselves. One had told me, do not give that boy steroids. It might work, but in the long term, he's going to have this forever. You can't do that. If you do this, I'll quit. And I was like, okay. So I didn't know where Tybee Island was. And I looked on Google and they even told me how to spell it because I didn't even know how to spell it. But it was about an hour from us. And so Sunday morning, we got up and went to Tybee Island, Georgia. And it's off the coast of Savannah in the Atlantic. There's a couple of islands between it, uh, between the mainland and this island. And we went and we played and had so much fun and came home that night. And part of Taylor's treatment, even now, is he soaks in a bathtub twice a day for 20 minutes. We time it. And then when he gets out, we seal his body and seal that moisture because he doesn't retain moisture in his body. His skin will just flake off sometimes. So we were doing that. And... As the days went by, I noticed his skin got better and better and better for about three weeks. And then it started to decline. And so our life became go to Tybee, come home, and Taylor would be better for three weeks. And then he would start to decline. We'd go back to Tybee. So about every, at least once a month, more often if we could, we were at Tybee Island. And we began to meet people there. We were regulars there as if we owned a condo, like a lot of other people. We were at a hotel, and the hotel was on Tibresia Street. There's about four bars and one hotel at that time on Tibresia Street. And it's really close to the beach. You can walk to the beach from there. And we got to know the owner, and better, the owner's dog. Her name was Patty. And she was a little beagle. And she loved us. We could check in at night. And in the morning when Patty got up, she would be at our door scratching. Let me in. Let me in. Let me love on you guys. <laughs> and we loved her too. And so we got to know people in town also. So um, Taylor was eight years old. And um, my daughter... Um, was getting married and this was the first Sabbath that I think I had not been able to keep Sabbath because it was my daughter's wedding and I did all the food and I arranged not the flowers themselves but put them in the places they need to be and moved them when they needed to be moved and 
moved furniture and did all the things that my daughter needed me to do for her wedding. And then the after they went on their honeymoon, the pastor said, so who's going to put everything back? And I thought, oh, well, that was me. So I worked all day till about seven o'clock in the evening and finally got to go home. And it was that was the Sabbath of Labor Day weekend. And y'all had been telling me the little voice had been saying, go to Tybee Island. And I was saying, on the way home, I am not going to Tybee Island. I'm going to go home and rest. So let go of Tybee Island. We'll go next week. And I went to sleep when I got home. I was tired. About four o'clock in the morning, it was as if I was dead and sleep into bed and someone thumped me on my forehead. And I sat up and there was that still small, not quite so small voice anymore. And it was, get up and go to Tybee Island now. And I was afraid not to, honestly. So we didn't have a reservation or anything. I put on a bathing suit and put a dress on and um, put Taylor's bathing suit on. We already had our equipment. We just stayed in the trunk of our car. And we went to Tybee Island. And Taylor was in the second grade by this time and going to school finally. So on the way to Tybee Island, the little voice kept saying in my head over and over, you know how a song gets stuck in your head? It's that kind of thing. Um, love the center, hate the sin. Love the center, hate the sin. Over and over. It was getting a little aggravating by the time I got there. But we used to go to this um church service. It was non-denominational church. And so it met in a high school there. So we went over because they had the best guitar player. And so they had the best worship music ever. And so we stopped in for the worship music on our way to Tybee. It was in Whitmarsh Island. And the good guitar player was there and the music was great and they had this like coffee clutch in between services so the guitar player's girlfriend came up to me her name's Sarah and she said how are you I said good honey how are you she goes I'm terrible she said those people at work are such sinners and I said wow she said I can hardly stand to be around them and I said yeah you know what that voice in your head I said, it's been telling me all the way here, love the sinner, hate the sin. And this girl burst into tears and she fell on my chest and she just let me hold her for a full minute, just sobbing on my chest. And I thought, oh my goodness. And she finally came up for air and I said, are you okay? Are you okay? And she said, I'm better than I've been in a long time. I was like, do you need me to stay? And she's like, no, go on to the beach. I'll see you later. I was like, okay. So off we go to the beach. Now it costs $10 to park in the beach parking lot, the municipal one. So we went to the hotel where we usually stayed and I parked in their parking lot and I went to ask Jean if that was okay. 
And um, Gene was there and I said, I parked in the parking lot. And he said, you don't want a room? Because it is Labor Day weekend. What kind of room have you got on Labor Day weekend? He said, I got a room for $30 a night. The normal cost was 130 when it wasn't Labor Day, you know? So I don't know how much it was for Labor Day. But I said, yeah, I'll take it for three nights. Give it to me. So we moved into the room and went straight to the pool. Taylor loved being at the pool. And there was a little boy there about Taylor's age. And um, we <laughs> sat there. He played with, uh, with this little boy. And they were having the best time. And about an hour after we'd been there, a woman came and sat next to me. She said, that's my grandson that your son's playing with. And I said, oh. She, and she began to tell me about her life. I know that women do this. And so, excuse me just a second. Buddy, no. Don't you start barking. You just behave. That's my dog, Buddy. He's in here in the studio with me. So, um, this woman began to tell me about her life. And I told her mine. I told her about finding out I was Jewish how the, the word just began to change my life and how I realized that I wasn't living the way, you know, God wanted me to, because that's the word I used back then. And we just talked all day. Um, and, and at five o'clock, um, I knew I had to go somewhere and get a toothbrush and some other essentials like clothes for us to wear while we were there for the next few days. So Taylor and I got in the car and got on the main drag of Tybee Island. And I looked up and there was a man on the side of the road. He had a long beard and tattoos and a cane. And he had his thumb out. And I passed right by him because I was thinking, I bet he smells delicious. And after I got past him, the little boy said, turn around, go back. That's the reason you're here. I thought, okay. So I did two U-turns and came back and stopped. And the man opened my back door. And as he got in, he said, hi, my name is Mr. Dimwitty. But my friends call me Sinbad. And I'm glad I had glasses, sunglasses on because I began to weep. And Mr. Dimwitty told us as we were leaving, he said, I never leave Tybee Island. I love Tybee Island. I never want to leave Tybee Island. But sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. And so I was to give him a, a ride to Whitmarsh Island, which is the two islands over. And um, we crossed two bridges. There's... Uh, Tybee and then Scribner and then Whitmarsh. And by the time we got to Whitmarsh and the over the two, he had said that same thing. I hate to leave Tybee. I don't want to ever leave Tybee. I'll never leave Tybee. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And so maybe five or six times, I, it was a bunch. I got the gist. And um, I kept, but I, I didn't know exactly why. We got to the red light where you could go to Walmart straight. You could go left to go to other shops and stuff and and where Mr. Dimwitty wanted to go, which was to the bank. 
Well, it was Sunday that banks were closed. And so I asked him, I said, do you have a card that you know? He was going to write a check and get some little bit of cash. And I, I explained to him, you know, the banks wouldn't even be open till Tuesday. Two, you know, this was Sunday, two more days. And um, he said, I'm in a pickle. And I said, yeah. I said, come on, go with us. We'll go to Walmart. I'll put you under the shade and we'll see. And I said, what kind of cigarettes do you smoke? And it was Marlboro Gold 100s. So Taylor and I got what we needed. We checked out with two packs of cigarettes and I got $10 in cash. And the whole time I was in there, y'all was telling me what I needed to tell Mr. Dimwitty. And this is the first time it's ever happened to me. I've never been sent to give a message. Uh, I've never been sent to do anything for anybody like this. And I was not exactly happy about it. But I knew better than to not do it. So we got to the car. I gave him his cigarettes. And we headed back to the island. And... The message was this, that Mr. Dinwiddie, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave Tybee Island. But don't be afraid. God will be with you. So don't be afraid. And he sent me here today, even though I didn't want to come, to tell you that. So I waited after Scribner to the island, on the, the bridge onto Tybee Island, and I finally told him that. And the minute we got on the island, he was like, let me out of this car. The minute I told him that God was going to be with him, that he was going to be leaving Tybee, he didn't want to hear none of it. He just wanted out of my car. So I pulled over as soon as I could. And, and he started getting out of the car. And I was holding that $10 bill. And he wouldn't even take it. He just shut the door and left us. And I was like, okay. So I did it. Wasn't very successful, but I did it. And we went back to the hotel and went to our rooms and had some dinner, probably pizza from Frank's. And Taylor was watching this Disney movie with um, somebody that he liked, but it, it wasn't his regular like Disney show. It was a, a different movie. It was a real tearjerker movie. It was a serious movie, you know? And Taylor went to sleep and I sat there and finished watching it and cried and cried and cried. I cried so much that my nose got so stopped up I was a mouth breather, okay? I couldn't breathe through my nose anymore. So after it went off, I thought, oh, I'll go outside. The hotels, we were on the second floor. There's this kind of a balcony there that everybody can go. It wasn't just to our room. It was to the whole hotel. And there's a little um, picnic table there. And so I was sitting there on top of the picnic table and just breathing that salt air, trying to get my nose to work. And um, across the street, there was a bar called the Windrose. And out of the Windrose comes Mitchell. Mitchell's the kind of guy that likes free things, like free coffee from the hotel. <laughs> so that's how I met him, at the coffee pot at the hotel. And he saw me. And he also knew because he liked free things like free advice. I was in the pest control business 
and he owned property. So termite and pest control advice for free, he was in. And I did give him a lot of advice on chemicals and when to do stuff and how to do stuff. So he saw me and he started heading right up to me. And I thought, oh, and he was a little wobbly. And he got up the stairs and came and he said, Miss Betty, would you pray for me? And I thought, wow, this is new. This has never happened. And I said, sure, Mitchell, I'll pray for you. What do you, what do you want me to pray about? And he said, I come to Tybee every weekend. And every weekend I get drunk. He said, when I was a little boy, I asked Jesus to come in my heart. And I know he can help me. Would you ask him to help me to stay sober? To not drink every weekend and be the drunk that I become? I hate it. I said, sure. So we prayed. I prayed. And he got up and went home to his little condo, which was right behind the hotel. And then I went in and went to sleep. The next morning we got up and we needed to get Taylor into that water, the Atlantic. And so um, we went to our car and got all our beach gear in our little cart and headed down. There was a store there where I knew the owner. It was Mr. Chu's, and it was uh, the founder's daughter, Mrs. Chu. And um, I stopped in to say hi. But Miss Chu wasn't in the store. The store is like a beach store, but you can get hardware there. You can buy underwear there. You can buy an umbrella or a chair or everything you can get it there but um rebecca her employee was there and she said hi miss betty how are you i said i'm good how are you rebecca she said not so good i said really so what's wrong she said i've been in some trouble since she'd had a DUI. this chew had paid for her to get out and she was so thankful for that but she asked me miss betty will you pray for me i said sure honey what do you want me to pray for she said, if I had the husband that God wanted me to have, I wouldn't get in trouble like that anymore. I wouldn't even want to do those kinds of things anymore. Will you pray for the husband that God has for me to, that I find him? I said, sure. And we stood there at the cash register and, and I prayed for her. And then we went on to the beach. Taylor went in the water, went to find a friend to play with. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, I set up for my tanning session and um, we'd been there a couple of hours. It was probably around noon, a little later. And the woman, the grandmother at the pool from the day before starts coming down the beach towards me saying, oh, I'm so glad I found you. I'm so glad, I gotta tell you something. I was like, oh, oh, okay. She said, we're leaving, we're going home. But I wanna tell you, she said, I, I asked Jesus to come in my heart when I was a little kid. He's been gone a long time, but he's back. She said, he came back to me in that room last night. Sorry. And he's, she said, and he's never going to leave me again. I'm going to make sure of that. I said, thanks for telling me. And they went on to somewhere in Georgia where they lived. And um, never saw her again, but it was wonderful for her to share that. So Tuesday morning, um, Taylor and I get up and to go home, and we do. And um, between 
that time, Labor Day weekend, and February 11th, my father's birthday. I've had two surgeries. Um, I'm immobile uh, in a wheelchair. And I mean, I can walk small distances, but not very far. And um, I get a phone call from my sister. She said, um, Taylor's had trouble at school. He'd, he'd ridden the bus and forgotten his homework. And some kind of altercation happened between him and his teacher. And my sister was going to go get them because she was the emergency contact. But my phone hadn't rang until my sister called me. So it ends up that Taylor's expelled from school. And I pray and the little boy says, go to Tybee. So that Friday, we packed up all our stuff and we hit a tidy. And my brother-in-law drives our car and my sister drives me in her car because I can't drive. And my brother-in-law had my wheelchair and everything. And Taylor and I pull up to the hotel on Tybresia and we tell Jean, Patty's daddy, what has happened? And he said, well, I got a room for you. And he said, how about a $12 a night room until you get a place? I said, okay. And uh, we moved into the hotel. Well, the next morning was coffee time, Sabbath. And I went down to get me a cup of coffee and looking for Mitchell. Where is Mitchell? I asked Gene, where's Mitchell at? He goes, oh. You'll never guess. Mitchell's wife is making him coffee now. And I said, what? And sure enough, I went down the lane to his little alley, to his little condo, and knocked on the door in my little wheelchair. And, Re and um, Rebecca answers the door. And I'm like, <gasps> I knew it. I just knew it when he said it. And I, I said, can I come in? She said, sure. And they were both surprised that I knew them, that they knew me. And I said, hey, guys, remember those prayers back Labor Day weekend that y'all asked me to do for you? And they remembered them and, and said, you know, what they asked for. And when they saw that, it was like a Pentecostal, not a Baptist meeting happened in that that house. The mama got called, the preacher got called. There was a testimony given on Sunday morning in that church about their life together and how God had done that for them. And yeah, they met at Christmas at the Christmas Eve service at the Baptist church. And so I've been on the narrow way a while and it confused me, but I was happy. I was happy that God let me see this, that y'all let me see his hand do this for these people, answer these prayers that they earned me in letting me lift them up. So the next day was Sunday, I went to the little church over on Whitmarsh Island. 
and um, the guitar player wasn't there and Sarah wasn't there. And during the coffee clutch, the pastor's wife, Linda, came up to me and she said, tell me what happened between you and Sarah that last time you were here. And I, I, I told her, I told her everything, told her about the word that was in my ear, told her about me saying that, love the sin or hate the sin. And how Sarah just collapsed in tears. And she said, well, let me tell you what happened after you left. She said, um, Sarah rededicated her life to God. She said, we spent the rest of the day moving her out of her boyfriend's apartment and into our home because she wasn't going to live in sin anymore. And subsequently, the boyfriend who had never been saved asked Jesus to come into his heart and save him. And that was two weeks after I had uh, that day, Labor Day weekend. They were married. And then he was convicted that his his sin, biggest sin, was he had abandoned two children in Tampa, Florida. And he moved, he and Sarah moved to Tampa to be close to his children, to support them and to repent. <laughs> and he was... Um, a director of, uh, of music in some church down there. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. And so the only thing I didn't know about was Mr. Dinwiddie. So after church, I went back home and the wind rose across the street. That little bar had um, the best hamburgers. So I went in there and um, got hamburgers for our lunch. And asked the barmaid, do you know Mr. Dinwiddie? And she said, oh, Mr. Dinwiddie, yeah. She said, um, Mr. Dinwiddie had a stroke not too long ago. And he's in a nursing home on the mainland in Savannah now. You know, I know even though a stroke affects your brain and affects, you know, things that happen in your brain, I know that y'all was with Mr. Dinwiddie. And I know that Mr. Dinwiddie remembered those words that I was, had given to him before he flee, flew out of my car. And that he knew that y'all was with him and that you know, who knows what else y'all did in his life after he got on the mainland. But I knew that he remembered all that and that he was aware and that he wasn't afraid because he knew God had sent him a messenger to tell him and warn him and that God loved him that much. So I've told this so many times, you know, during... Um, those years we lived on Tybee for about 18 months and um y'all eventually brought me to texas and and y'all eventually our path was really really wide back then we were we were trying to get to the narrow path but we had to remove a lot of stuff off of those paths off that path you know we had to repent and change and do the things that y'all wanted us to do and so the path got narrow and narrow and narrow 
And when he brought us to Texas, he really began to narrow that path and hone that path and teach us. And um, not too long ago, he brought me to what is now uh, Fiery Faith and to the telegram. And I wanted to leave it several times, but y'all was teaching me. And all the years when I give this testimony, I really didn't understand how y'all had used me and let me see these things happen for these people. Mr. Dinwiddie was a complete reprobate. The mention of the G-O-D word and he's out the door. He doesn't want to have anything to do with God. He's never thought about God. All he's thinking about is himself, cigarettes and, and booze. And these other people are keeping a pagan holiday and I'm like, how does I was confused. And then he brought me to fiery faith and I began to learn about what it is to love. And Lee did this pre presentation not too long ago about how God delights in us because we're on the narrow path. And when, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we're showing him our love for him and he delights in that. But here's the other thing. John 3.16, for Yah so loved the world. And that day, now I realize that Yah loved Mr. Dinwiddie no matter what. Whether Mr. Dinwiddie ever thought of him or was afraid of him or whatever. That he's got me up out of the bed at four o'clock in the morning to go give Mr. Dinwiddie a message because he loved Mr. Dimwitty. And he loved those people at the Baptist church keeping that pagan holiday. And he loved this couple, these drunkards. And he loved this reprobate guitar player who was in the church and didn't even know why. And he loved this, these women that rededicated their life to him. Whether they called him by the right name or whether they went to the right church, or whether they were keeping the right feasts, he loved them. And he taught me that through you guys because of the way that you love us, Taylor and I, the way we love each other, and the way that we respond to each other and, and pray for each other and, and do for each other. And... But the message is also that we're to be like Yahusha and he is like his father. And so he loved Mr. Dinwiddie too. He loves Mr. Dinwiddie, wherever Mr. Dinwiddie may be, in the spiritual realm or the physical realm. And he loves all these people that Yah placed in my life. And by the way, those words, love the sinner, hate the sin, <coughs> That's from Gandhi. That's what Gandhi's famous quote, okay? It wasn't even that I was so smart and I had all this gifting. I had not kept Sabbath that weekend. And I was quoting Gandhi. But Yah was there. And he was around me doing things. And he just opened that curtain for me to see it. I don't want to tell you all. Yah is there where you are. And I'm praying that he 
open the curtain so you can see it because one lesson I learned right away was God was with me and he was real and nobody can tell me he's not real. I mean, look at what he did in front of my face. Foolish as I was then, as far away from him still as I was even from the really narrow path. And he loved me. He loved Mr. Dimwitty. He loved Rachel and Mitchell and Sarah and the guitar player that I can't remember his name and the woman who I can't remember her name. And you know, he loves you too. And he delights in you. But we need to learn to love the world the way they love the world. The way Yah, Yahuwah and Yahusha love the world. And show them that love so that maybe they want to be like us. Loving people. So that's my testimony for you guys today. Thank you, thank you for letting me do this, Lee and James. And um, thank you all for all the love that you share with us and the prayers and just being who you are. I appreciate every one of you. I put my glasses on. And we're clear.